You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hi everyone, it's Kino here. Welcome to the Yoga Inspiration podcast and video series. This series talks to you about, well, what it means to stay inspired to continue doing your yoga practice. I want you as a student of yoga to join me as a fellow student of yoga to keep your inspiration levels up every day. I know what it's like to find the motivation to keep practicing over many, many years. So in order to begin this journey that we take together, I'm going to start at the very beginning of my journey. Many of you know me as a yoga teacher. Maybe you've even taken a class with me, but very few people know me as the yoga student when I first started practicing. And it's a question that so many people ask me. Hey, Kino, how'd you start yoga? Hey, Kino, what was your inspiration to start yoga? Well, I'm going to share that with you right here. I really believe that the yoga practice is so much of a student's journey and that even people who are teachers for many years, the heart of the practice is really about being a student to keep your heart and your mind open, inspired and spontaneous to the spiritual journey, to the yoga practice. And I would say also to life itself. Now, I know that's kind of a big ask for yoga practice and maybe even for you just to start this journey off together, but let's dial it all the way back to the beginning. When I was 19 years old, I walked into a gym and I had no intention of doing a yoga class, but I looked in through the windows because there were big glass windows in the gym and I saw a bunch of people standing on their heads and I thought, hey, that looks dramatically cooler than the aerobics class that I came to take. So let me come tomorrow and sign up for the yoga class. So that's what I did. Unfortunately, I didn't check the schedule and the yoga class that I joined when I was 19 years old in just an average gym right here in Miami was a Shivananda or traditional Hatha yoga relaxation-based class. There were no headstands in that class. In fact, there were mostly only guided relaxations. And I left the class feeling relaxed, but also like I was missing something, like I wanted to do that headstand so badly. And at the same time, there was this feeling that yoga was a path of inner peace. It really wasn't ready to dive in just then. So when I left that class, I remember feeling particularly stiff. I couldn't forward bend. Many people will be surprised to hear that my first yoga class was really, really frustrating because I couldn't touch my toes in a forward bend. We did do some forward bending. I wasn't so good at twisting. My hips felt a little bit tight and I just felt generally uncoordinated. So I left that yoga class feeling like, wow, that was something really interesting and I felt really bad at it. So like any good student, what I did was I went to the local bookstore and I bought a bunch of books. Actually, it was a local used bookstore and I bought a bunch of old books about yoga from the Shivananda tradition. And I started reading those books, teaching myself the poses, the breathing techniques, the guided meditations and everything about the yoga path from, you know, from my, that I could get from these books. So I studied that for a while. I wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle at that time, if I'm 100% honest. I was embracing what you could call 
maybe the South Beach style of life over here, which means that my days consisted of hanging out at the beach and my nights consisted of finding the best, most fabulous party and seeing if I could find eternal happiness in the perfect house music beat. Well, I searched and searched for that eternal happiness in the perfect house music beat, and I'm sorry to say I never found it, but I did find some really good parties and had some good times. There was a moment, though, after about a few years after that first class, I can look back now and I can see I was 22 years old and I felt like everything that I'd been running from in my life kind of reached this crescendo when I couldn't escape from myself anymore. And I realized I needed to do something to get my life back on track. There were a couple of key pointers that I can look back now in hindsight and see really, really clearly. The first thing that I can see is that I was going through a period of depression. It wasn't the first period of depression that I'd ever been in my life, but it was the first time that I kind of had agency about that depression. I can look back again and see really far down the track that from the time I'm about nine years old, even until this current day, that I've gone through periods of cyclical depression, periods where I felt that life was hopeless, where I felt like my life had no real point or purpose, and it was hard for me to get out of bed. And I'm not proud to say that I've even struggled with suicidal ideation at certain times in my life. Well, when I was 22, I was there in that dark hole of helplessness, of hopelessness. And I remembered that yoga class that I took and all those yoga books that I had. And I said to myself, I want to do yoga. I want to learn how to be happy, how to be peaceful. I want to learn how to live a happier, more peaceful life. I want to take a yoga class. I want to do this. I also made the decision at that time that I thought I should also go to graduate school in the hopes of, I don't know, getting a real job someday. So I took the decision then out of a period of depression to reclaim a bit of agency to say, I want to make this choice. I want to start yoga. And it was a way for me to validate my self-worth and a way for me to say to myself, I'm worth it. I'm worth taking the time out to come to this yoga class. I didn't know what class to do. This is the time before Google was a thing, before there was YouTube. It was just me, my yoga books, and walking around seeing, okay, where's the next yoga center? Well, as it turns out, I walked by a yoga center that had a sign, a handwritten sign out on the street. And it said, Tuesday, Thursday, primary series. Well, that seemed good for me because it was a 6.30 p.m. class. So I walked into this Tuesday, Thursday primary series class, not right away. It was interesting, and I think many students can identify with this. Once you make this decision, I want to start yoga, it's not like you go take the class the next day. That idea percolates around in your mind. Yeah, I want to start yoga. 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 You get some books. You don't read the books. You leave them there. Maybe you set your alarm to get up and go to your yoga practice, but it takes you a long time to actually do it. From the moment I saw that sign and it said Tuesday, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. primary series till the time I actually dragged my butt into class was three months. So for three months, I kept telling everyone, I'm going to start yoga. I'm going to get my life on track. I'm going to get out of this endless cycle of partying. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Three months later, I showed up. I had no idea what to expect. I paid my $20 for a drop-in class. I got a rental mat. I put my mat down. One of the things that really struck me is this was dramatically different than that gym class that I went to before. First of all, everybody was very organized. People seemed like they knew exactly where to put their mats. And I felt really intimidated. It was like, hey, wait a minute, I don't belong here. I don't really understand you know, my place in this whole yoga world. I'm not a yogi, I just did some poses out of books. Okay, I almost left. I remember this feeling of like not fitting in and this feeling of being intimidated and people were stretching and warming up on their mats and I felt like this is not for me. But then 
Anyhow, I already paid, so I figured, let me stay. And the person who's teaching then came up to me and said, have you ever done Ashtanga yoga before? And I said, no, but I did some Shivananda, mostly from books. And I still remember he smiled at me and said, well, do what you can. Now, that didn't leave me with so much encouragement, I have to say, but the practice was amazing. It was really, really powerful and I was really, really bad at it. I wasn't good at anything. I felt like a fish out of water flopping around on my mat. It was so difficult that it was probably the hardest thing I'd ever tried in my life up until that moment. And I kept thinking that the class would be about an hour long. So I remember looking at the clock around 7.30 and thinking, okay, when's it gonna end? 7.45 comes around, the class is still going. Eight o'clock goes around, the class is still going. I guess I made the assumption that, that the yoga class would be like most classes in a gym that are about an hour. And I also made the assumption that primary series was a basic level class, but Ashtanga Yoga primary series is a pretty advanced level of practice that you could spend your whole lifetime working on. I jumped into that class, did not know what I was getting into. Finally, at around 8.30, two hours after that first class started, it was over. And I remember lying on the yoga mat in a pool of my own sweat, I felt like I'd sweat more than I'd ever sweat in my entire life. And I felt that I went on this wild ride. I didn't remember any of it. As I was lying there, there was something that I'd never experienced in my life up until that moment. My mind was totally silent. So if you're unaware of the prevalence of kind of an inner dialogue or an inner commentary, probably the entire time that you've been watching or listening to this series, to, to me talk now, there's been an inner critic that's been categorizing your experience. I like this, I don't like that, I resonate with this, I didn't connect with that. And that inner critic is sometimes directed outward, but as was the case for me, that inner critic was almost always directed internally. I was almost always making value judgments, primarily negative about myself. Hey, Kino, hey, Kino, you didn't do so well there. Hey, Kino, that's not good there. Oh, you could have done better. Oh, all these judgments about myself. After my very first Ashtanga class, I remember lying there, and even though I'd done really poorly, honestly, at all of the yoga poses, the fact of the matter was that my mind was at peace. That inner critic was silenced. And this peace was something I'd never experienced before. I didn't even know it was possible. I never even realized how heavy the weight of that inner critic in my head really was until I was free of it, even for just a moment. The second thing that I experienced was a unity between body and mind. And it felt like I was comfortable in my own skin. And I don't know how to describe that in any other way than that. It's just this feeling of kind of okayness in the body, as though it finally didn't matter, you know, what size or shape I was or what jeans I could fit into or what jeans I couldn't fit into or what color my hair was or my eyes or all that kind of stuff. It was just me and my body. And we were lying there and it was all okay. And I almost remember this feeling of tears of joy streaming down my face, this feeling that, wow, life could actually be something else other than an endless rat race to win some prize that you never even really wanted in the first place, that there's a feeling of okayness somewhere inside. Well, I kept practicing, kept coming back to the class because... That was honestly the best drug I'd ever tried in my life. It was the best high I'd ever gotten. The feeling of peace, the feeling of oneness, the feeling of unity. And I knew I wanted more and more of that. It was totally natural and totally real and authentic. And this is something that I believe is the essence of the whole yoga journey. 
that there's this very strange and often mystical relationship between how the yoga poses work and how you feel after you practice. That my very first practice, as the student's journey shows, is that you don't need to be particularly good at yoga to get those benefits of inner peace. I was never a dancer, I was never a gymnast, I was never anything physical before yoga. And this is something I really like to share with everyone because we make all these assumptions that you need to be good at the poses to be good at yoga. But the truth is, all you need is this sincerity to get on the mat, to open up your heart, to open up your mind, and to put in that deep work of the spiritual journey. So I started practicing only two days a week. So listen to that. For those of you yoga newbies out there, sometimes people think you got to do it all or nothing. I got to practice six days a week or nothing. Now that's not true. I started off nice and easy, just two days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, 6.30 p.m., 6.30 to 8.30. It was a long class, but I dragged myself there twice a week for a few months. Then I felt like, okay, I'm making progress. I got accepted into a graduate school. I started going to yoga Tuesdays and Thursdays. I started feeling like I was being nicer to myself. I was being nicer to other people. But when I moved to New York City, away from my home in Miami to go to graduate school, I lost the connection with my local yoga studio. And this happens to so many yoga students. And when you have a particular program that you're on, you have a studio, a teacher that you really, really like, and then you move away or the studio closes or the teacher changes, you can fall off your yoga path. When I moved to New York City for the first three weeks I was there, I was engrossed and in love with the experience of, well, New York City. I mean, come on. So I went around, I walked around the city, I experienced things, and I felt myself slipping back into the intoxication of that party lifestyle, because that was kind of my baseline. After about three weeks, I remember sitting on a park bench in Washington Square Park and thinking, what happened to yoga? You were doing yoga before. You better go find a yoga class. Well, I found a yoga class, but it wasn't the one that I thought I was going to find. I tried to find another Tuesday, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. I kind of felt like that would be good for my schedule. I could sleep in. I could go to school. I could do yoga in the evenings. That was my plan. Unfortunately, or I should say fortunately for me, the, you know, my destiny, my fate, life, God had other plans for me. So I walked into a traditional Mysore-style class. Now, Mysore is called Mysore because it's named after the small South Indian city that is the home, or you could say the Mecca, of Ashtanga Yoga. It's where my teacher still continues to practice over there and where there's a long lineage of many deep and diverse yoga traditions in the south of India. So Mysore. I went into this Mysore-style class. Now, if you don't know what Mysore-style means, this means you have to memorize the poses so that you can do them following your own breath. I was a student, remember, like a student in graduate school, and I actually thought that the teachers were going to test you on the names of the poses. So I made a little cheat sheet for myself to help myself study, and I studied all the names of the poses, and I studied the whole order of the poses, like I was studying for a biology you know, test. I didn't really know what any of it meant, but I was like, this pose, this is Janashrasasana, this is Marichasana, there's three of those and four of those, and I memorized them all. I walked into the class, and I was hit with something, second transformational experience in yoga, silence, absolute and utter silence. And not the kind of silence where nothing's going on, but this deep introspective silence. 
Now looking back at it, I can see that this is what we mean in the yoga practice by this word nirodaha or stillness, an inward turning of the mind, which creates kind of a drop down and inner focus that changes the atmosphere of the room. It's almost like the barometric pressure of the room drops so deeply because everyone in the room is concentrating on their inner experience. I walked into this room and it felt like I was walking into deep space. I'd never experienced other human beings who were on that level and the atmosphere was so strong. Just like my very first yoga class, my Ashtanga class, I had the same feeling again. I had the imposter syndrome come up. I don't belong here. I stood there with my mat and I started to walk backwards out the room thinking I better go find a guided class. This is not for me. At that moment, the teacher said, hey, you, you can go put your mat over there. And I followed the directions. I put my mat there, finished my practice, and I felt like, wow, if that very first class gave me a hint of what type of peace, unity, and total kind of immersion in the inner world, what that, what that practice represents, well, this class confirms the daily devotional ritual of what we understand now as sadhana or practice. I was able to participate in this atmosphere of dedicated practitioners, and I felt immense confirmation that yoga is a path of inner peace. At the end of the class, However, I still thought Tuesday, Thursday, probably good for me because then I could go to school and I was secretly hoping I could still party on Friday night. Um, I was so attached to that identity of going out and having a good time that I really felt like I could still keep that as part of my weekly routine. Now, I'm not saying I'm not against partying or anything like that, but I was definitely engaging in activities that were less conducive to a spiritually oriented lifestyle at that time. So at the end of my first Mysore class, I made it through. I felt like I deserved like, you know, a prize or a participation trophy just for making it through. And instead of that, the teacher walked over to me and said, this class meets six days a week. You can come at eight. And then he left. And I felt like, excuse me, <laughs> uh, um, I was thinking about Tuesday, Thursday at around 9.30 would be better for me, but I didn't get a chance to respond. So I started coming six days a week at eight o'clock. I had the amazing privilege of being a graduate student where my main focus was school. And I also had the great privilege to not have to work and support myself while I was in school. So this allowed me to be able to spend whatever money I had from my own job in order to fund my yoga classes. So I was able to go six days a week at eight o'clock. I didn't have to work a full-time job in order to support myself in graduate school. I'm so, so grateful for that. So I started practicing six days a week at eight o'clock, six days a week at eight o'clock. After the first week, I couldn't lift my arms above my head, not because I was injured, but because I was so sore. I was naturally, I am naturally the one of the weakest people that could you could have ever imagined to start yoga. I couldn't do a push-up. I, I don't think I can still do a pull-up to this day. I can kind of hang on a bar. I'm just not that physically talented naturally. I work really hard and I've worked really hard over 20 years of practice. So I remember this feeling of, wow, now I can again look back and see how changing the way I inhabited my body opened my mind up to new levels of being. As I got stronger physically, I was able to get stronger emotionally and spiritually. I was able to finally stand up for myself a little bit, be able to own my own voice in the world. But more than anything, the practice has taught me how to be strong enough to believe in myself, to never give up, to not quit, to be willing to put in the work, the humble work it takes to make dreams come into reality but also the inner strength that it takes to befriend your demons, to go into the dark places in your own psyche and make friends with those 
places that are often really hard to make friends with, like your shadows, the source of depression, traumatic events that have happened to you, just like they've happened to me. The yoga practice offers a deep path of healing. I experienced the hint of that on my very first Sashtanga class, my very first yoga class, actually, and then it only got deeper and deeper and deeper. For so many years, all I wanted to do was just practice. As I began to practice yoga more, it was the thing that just occupied my whole life. I would wake up in the morning and be excited to get on my mat. And then I would think about yoga the rest of the day. I would talk to yoga to anyone that would listen to me and try to convince them to practice. That's that beginner's inspiration. And that's the heart that I want to share with you. Once you become an expert, you get locked into a box about what should or shouldn't be happening. You get locked into the realm of what you know. Well, what I'm sharing with you and what I want you to really tap into is the realm of what you don't know so that we can embrace the inspired path of the beginner. You don't need to prove anything. You don't need to be good at anything. All you need is that open heart. As the Zen teachings say, the Zen mind is a beginner's mind. So you empty your cup completely and allow it to be filled up with the purity of the yoga teaching. The inspiration to practice can come from so many things. My inspiration to practice was and is the idea that this path, the promise that this path can lead you to more happiness, more peace, more love in your own heart and ultimately in the whole world. I know that I'm a better person when I get off my yoga mat. I know that days that I actually manage to do my practice are better days. So this is the basic empirical standard that allows me to say that I know that yoga has the power to transform the whole world, to transform your life. And that's the reason why I'm sharing this series with you so that you can keep that inspiration and stay on the path. Think about how good you felt after your first yoga class. Think about the cumulative goodness that's being nurtured in your body, mind, and spirit over decades of practice. The arc of your life is measured as a journey that leads to more peace and more happiness. You'll never be perfect and neither will I. Numerous times we'll stumble, we'll fail, we'll fall off the path, but it's about coming back over and over again so that you can keep that inspiration to practice. As we go deeper and deeper into the journey of yoga inspiration, I want to share with you stories of the real students of yoga from all over the world. So if you have a really inspiring yoga student story and you are, for example, brand new to the yoga practice, I want to talk to you. So send me an email at info at kinoyoga.com and maybe we'll chat sometime about, about why you're inspired to do this practice and what yoga really, really means to you. My intention is to provide sustenance for your journey so that you as a student can continue to drink from an inexhaustible source of inspiration. So that on those days that you feel depressed, sad, and feeling a little bit hopeless, like it's all meaningless, that you can turn here and find a little bit of inspiration so that you can motivate yourself to get on the mat and keep transforming your whole world into a happier and more peaceful place. Thank you so much for joining me on this very first episode of the Yoga Inspiration podcast and video series. There is so much more to come, and I'm so excited to share this journey with you. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. 
If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.